Hello and welcome to the We Only Read the Pictures podcast. My name is Mike. I'm Darren. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, all the films we've seen over the last couple of weeks and we're going to have an in-depth discussion about Logan, uh, so we'll include spoilers, and we'll also discuss a rewrite that I've made of how I feel the film should have gone. Yeah, that ought to be good. <laughs> I, I look forward to... Yeah, Darren hasn't, hear, uh, in it. Yeah, Darren hasn't heard it yet, so... Okay. Yeah. This, 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 this sounds pretty okay, interesting, shall we say. <laughs> So, okay, as, as always, we obviously record a lot of stuff on Letterboxd. Uh, follow us there, links in the description, etc. Um, okay, so let's just get talking about, since, we, since we're talking about, you know, movies, let's start with Logan. So, right. okay, what did, you, you've written a rewrite, what's, what's your general thoughts on Logan? Um, I like the whole concept of the story. Yeah, concept was great. The concept was great. Uh, I thought the acting, the performances from both uh, Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart were, were great. Um, I like the themes it was trying to themes it was trying to address, uh, address, but I was disappointed in terms of the script and how they were executed. It feels like they were being set up and not fully followed through. Um, in terms of the action, I'm very glad that they went for a very much more violent. Um, uh, you know, the violence is completely up with the R rating and the blood and. I really liked it, uh, but yeah, generally it was a bit of a disappointing script, and that's why I've made a rewrite. Yeah, I mean, essentially my flaws are pretty similar. The, it's a great idea, obviously based on a really, you know, all my, comic, yeah, yeah. All my logo is a respected comic. Mm. Um, I, I, I thought it was a great idea, I think it's the best Wolverine film of the individual films, but yeah. overall I think it's like an average X-Men film, because I think, mm. although it's different, it has flaws. Uh, it has the same problems of the Wolverine because it's a bad villain. The final act falls apart. The, you know, like some of the other bits don't quite come together. Um, I think the violence. I'm glad it's R-rated. I have problems with the violence, nonetheless. Not like morally, but just like I think it's badly used. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's 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 the writing that lets it down. You mentioned Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman, but I actually have to also call out. Daphne Keane as X twenty three is superb, mm. absolutely. She like as a child yeah. actor, she's she's gone right in my mind as like okay, one of the leading child actors of, of now. Um, Stephen Merchant as Caliban, oh yeah, uh, is an amusing <laughs> one because like when he first turns up, I was just like, oh, that's well, just Stephen Merchant. And then we, but then once he really got into it, I really got into his character. So yeah, I thought it was an okay character, but. Um, you know, it was funny. It was funny. Brought a little bit of humour yeah. to the to the to the um, film. But my issue with him is he does to me. I was just watching him saying, "You're there for exposition." You know, you're, you're there yeah. for some of the dialogue. It's only because you know you're saying this, and um, you become a very he becomes a very uh, useful plot convenience uh, yeah. for the plot later. Okay. Well, I, we're going to talk about more Logan later. Let's mm-hmm. just move on to like other stuff that's currently like playing in cinemas. So uh, this weekend, I went to go see Elf. Mm-hmm. Which is the newer Paul Verhoeven movie? Paul Verhoeven movie. Um, Paul Verhoeven is like the master of just like perverse, weird cinema. Well, not weird, but like just he, he's pretty uh, taboo in his topics. Uh-huh. And uh, what L is essentially is like a rape and revenge thriller. But yeah. like, yeah, very good, good subject. Yeah. Good subject, but like, <laughs> uh, um, he does it in a in an interesting way. Like, it isn't just that. It's a lot more. It's very twisted. It's very weird. It's very edgy. Premiered at Cannes uh, last year um, to nothing but great reviews. I mean, um, one of the best reviewed films of 2016. 
and he received an Oscar nomination for Best Actress, which, uh, funny to say, by the way, Isabelle Huppert, obviously yeah. classic French actress, in a role that's significantly less classy than usual. Like, her character is quite classy, but some of the sexual exploits are a bit weird. It's not an easy watch. It's very graphic, very disturbing, but it's definitely worth watching, I think. I, I, re- I really enjoyed it. Well, I don't think it was perfect, but it's an intro- if you're into weird stuff, it's good. Where would you say Isabel Huppert's performance ranks among the uh, Best Actress nomination? Um, so, I think she's definitely better than Emma Stone. Uh-huh. I still think Natalie Portman should have won. Okay. I think Isabel Huppert, uh, she would have been, if I had been, I, I, yeah, I think it's a fair nomination. I don't think, it, I don't think she, she deserves to win. Right. I hear a lot of people saying that she's the one that deserves to win. I, I disagree. I do think she isn't as good as uh, Natalie Portman. Because Natalie Portman, I think, is a bit more to her role in Jackie because I think she's she's doing a performance of someone pretending to not be what they are. Mm-hmm. So I think she's got double layers. Isabel Huppert here is just playing a woman who's really well developed and really interestingly defined with loads of nasty and interest. Well, not that nasty, but loads of like loads of scenes which are like really hands-on to play with mm-hmm. and hands-on in like very literal sense in in some ways. <laughs> um, so yeah. I mean, it's, it's de- well, well, put it this way. I mean, it's a return. It's, it's a kind of a return for Paul Verhoeven. I mean, he hasn't made a film in ten years, and he hasn't done like a, you know, like he he, he spent twenty years in Hollywood. This is him going back to his roots. Apart from his making a film in a language he doesn't speak, but I mean, aside from that, it's all good. Next film, Kong uh, Skull Island. Which okay, yeah. So I saw. So this is another film that I saw that you didn't. Yeah. But this was like so Kong Skull Island. Um, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's not good, for starters. It's interesting because it looked so good. Well, not so good. It looked good in the sense of it, hmm. Visually. Yeah, visually it looks great. So, right, it seems like it's like going to be like a, just a B-movie, right? It's like a B-movie, yeah. monsters fighting. You get into it, it is a B-movie, monsters fighting, but then there's all this, like, stuff about war. Because it's set during Vietnam. So Vietnam War ends, and then Samuel L. Jackson is a head of like an army group, and they go off to the Skull Island and meet Kong and get involved and stuff. So is it? So you say it's set after Vietnam? War? Yeah, nineteen seventy-three. So Vietnam. Okay. The film opened with Vietnam War ending, mm-hmm. and then Samuel L. Jackson is sent by the U.S. government to go to Skull Island, right, with a bunch of scientists and much more people, and then they go there and they meet Kong. So it's so it's all, and the whole thing is like an apocalypse now aesthetic. So it's all like helicopters and napalm. And right. But the problem with it is that it's all style, no substance. Okay. Because you have all of this like references. Like there's like references like Akira. Like, like one of the characters on his jacket from Akira reference. <laughs> um, there's like, re- there's like, it, like the director talks about his anime love. There's a whole Ghibli vibe to it. Right. It's just full of references, but no substance to it. All the characters are one note. They don't go anywhere. Yeah. The action is kind of lame. Like it's just standard and what makes this all the more disappointing is that the Godzilla film that this is a in the same universe as yeah is much better and I only I watched Godzilla one week ago as well so I came in with Godzilla fresh in my mind yeah and this is not that so Godzilla is a restrained movie where the monster doesn't turn up until, the, until like later on mm-hmm. and it's all about the building the characters and then it's gritty and realistic this is just dumb right. and not dumb fun but like dumb to the point, stupid. 
and annoying and, and annoying. Like I wouldn't mind it being t- a totally dumb movie, but then it throws in these things like, "Oh, war sucks." Oh, look, he's broken by war. So I go, no, just be dumb. Either be dumb or talk about war. Don't yeah. like attempt both because you fail. Yeah. Because I was just curious about the different time frame, how it is different to Godzilla. So yeah, that was just what uh, struck me. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, in many ways, it's, it's essentially a prequel because, mm. the, like, um, so there's an organization in Godzilla called Monarch, who are the people who are the people, the Godzilla experts. Yeah. Right? And Kong Skull Island, this isn't a spoiler, it opens with um, Monarch arranging the trip to Skull Island. Mm-hmm. So it link and there's an after, and there's a post credit scene at the end of Kong Skull Island that links it directly to Godzilla. Right. Um, so, but not in a way that. That, that's a side to the plot, so this isn't spoilers, I'm not spoiling the film. It is linked to Godzilla, but it's minorly linked. I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I can't see other... Cause if it was different, different time frames, then yeah. it would be hard to... But what's, but what's pretty clear about it is that like this is... So, so now we're in this universe, they have, they've met Kong in the 70s, they've yeah. met Godzilla in 2014, mm-hmm. so presumably in the next movies, you know, now they can have Kong now and Godzilla now. You'd think, yeah. You'd think. That'll be a logical extension to this. I don't know, what is the next film in the Monsters? You know? Godzilla 2. Godzilla 2. I think it's called Godzilla King of the Monsters, which is which is a tribute to um, the, the original, the, one of the Godzilla sequels, which is called Godzilla King of the Monsters. Right. I, I think on US release. And then they've got Godzilla vs. Kong in 2020. 2020? Oh. Yeah. I mean, to put it this way, right, they have one good part of a franchise, one bad part of a franchise, mm-hmm. Who knows whether or not it's going to stack up. Yeah. Let's move on, because I've talked way too long about Kong, which is a movie I didn't like, <laughs> onto a movie that I love. Raging Bull. Raging Bull. We both saw this in the cinema, BFI re-release. Yeah. Just shout out to the BFI, they yeah. do great re-releases all the time. Yeah. Um, it's like, my first time seeing it. Yeah, this is my second, or third, no, second. Um, yeah, second. What did you think? Cause... Okay, so... Initially, I was quite surprised because, for me, in terms of Scorsese, all I've seen was Wolf of Wall Street, Silence, and um, Goodfellas. And I was surprised that Raging Bull was not, not very different in terms of it wasn't as fast-paced or mm. high-energy plot, yeah. which is what I was used to Scorsese giving me. And so I was like, oh, this is very, you know, so it was a lot more quieter, a bit more slow. Yeah. And that made me feel... Yeah, so that was my initial thoughts in the beginning of the movie. I thought, oh, this is a bit slow. Like, do I like this? Do I not like this? Yeah. Uh, but then when it got to the boxing scenes, which I think are absolutely fantastic, and definitely no question, best boxing scene, best shot about boxing scene. The cinematography is amazing. Um, I was really hooked into it, and especially after, uh, well, sort of late, later parts when, of the film, uh, of the story, when he's um uh, when Robert with his wife and brother yeah. and all that kind of stuff. All those relationships and characters uh, shine uh, really shine through. And yeah, I really loved it. Um from that. So I like the black and white obviously. Um Yeah, I mean I mean so I so this is like I've seen so much Scorsese films, but this is like one of like like I mean like double figures for Scorsese. like um this is my favourite Scorsese film. And I think it's the pinnacle of his career for, for a plethora of reasons. I think the first reason why it's his best film is because it's, it's his film which I think is the most perfect crafted. In terms of sheer skill of filmmaking, mm-hmm. he never has been better. Mm. 
everything, all of the cinematography, all of the editing, all of the framing, mm. all of the shots, every single aspect of Radiant Bull is perfect. Mm. Now, there is, a, there is problems with the script, and I think some of the acting from some of the supporting roles is meh. Okay, yeah, but that's fair. In terms of direction, Scott said he could not. Have, he could not have made it better. Every single the fight scenes are so well done, and I want to just call out Felma Schumacher or Schumacher, who is the editor. Right. I think Radiant Bull is in the top ten best edited films of all time. The editing during the fight scenes is insanely good. Yeah. Every single cut, cut. is on emotion. It's on. It makes you feel every punch, every hit. Mm. It makes you really, really ripping. And I just love how the entire thing feels. Yeah. Um, secondly, I mean, it's great character study. Yeah. I think Scott says he's the expert depicting bad people. Yeah. I think it has his themes that he always does, but in subtle ways. So he's so he's he has Catholicism and Catholic guilt as a theme in a lot of his films. Mm-hmm. Red Bull isn't overtly that. But we see that, it, that the main character is clearly Catholic, or at least Christian, implied Catholic. And, um, and we see that he struggles with guilt. He struggles with guilt to some extent. Mm-hmm. Like, we see these things in subtle ways in Raging Bull. And I feel like, like, like we have the gangsters, and Scorsese is known as a gangster director. I think incorrectly, but he's known as a gangster director. And the gangsters in Raging Bull have minor supporting roles. But they play a big impact on the film, in the sense of they provide that threat, they provide that sense that our character is involved with bad people. Gossesi, he's much subtler in Radiant Ball than he's in any other film. He's so perfect in his craft that even if it's not necessarily my personal favourite, I think it's probably his best. Okay. And by the way, for the record, it's like my joint favourite, so... <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, the only sort of comparison you can sort of make is with Rocky, the other... Yeah. yeah grateful. And I was thinking, oh, which one do I prefer? And I, I don't know, because I've, I've definitely, you have to say hands down that Rachel Ball is better directed and better shot. Yeah, exactly. And, but personally, I still like the character of Rocky and his struggles. Yeah. I prefer that, his, just the whole underdog uh, storyline. Yeah. That's what I slightly prefer to Rob De Niro's, um, what, what's the character's name? Jake Lovato. Jake Lovato, yeah. That's my personal preference. I mean, I don't, yeah, I mean... To, to it just mit- feels there's so much more heart and soul. There's not so much, but there's just a load of heart and soul in Rocky. Which yeah, I mean, I think Rocky definitely moved to play on the heart things a little bit. I feel like Reggie Ball is just intense, mm. like beating. Like it, it really does feel a bit grueling at times. I, to me, there's no question. I think Reggie Ball is just a much better film. Well, yeah. I say much better. I actually really like Rocky mm. as a film. I think the sequels to Rocky, I haven't seen, but like I can't imagine a match in the first one. Mm. Um, but to me, Reggie Ball is definitely superior. But you know, hey, you know, they're, they're both the two biggest boxing movies ever, of like the thousands that have been made, so, mm. or probably not thousands, hundreds. Okay, so let's move on to another film. Yeah. Uh, what so what have you seen then? So I saw this Bollywood film, and unfortunately I can't remember how to pronounce <laughs> the film. But Good stuff. Kaho na ho, whatever it is. Whatever it is, uh, it was it was made in two thousand three. Uh, stars that. Um, that massive Bollywood actor, Saka S- S- uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Super, whatever his name is. Um, okay. This is really bad stuff. Yeah. Um, I really, I really loved it. Um, it. It was the first Bollywood film I've ever seen. I thought it was really funny. That's one more than me. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really funny. Had great characters. It is, it is rom com. It has you know, fun, fun just fun, dark, you know, uh, musical um, songs and dark dance sequences. 
and I mean it's about three hours. It's three hours, just over three hours long, um, and it's but towards the end because it it start you know it starts as just being you know it feels like just a bit of a rom com, but then it just gets it goes a very emotion goes down a very emotional sort of sad direction, yeah, which really hit me. And like for spending all that time with those characters, and then it, all those, and then it gets to a point which I can't really say for spoilers that. It, it made me just feel really sad, and I think you know, uh, you know, we say that Bollywood films are more, but always think about love and all that stuff. Yeah. It is about love, but I think it's got something more. It's actually got something to say about love. Yeah. It's got something substantial, uh, thematic, these yeah. So I really recommend it um, as a first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, so as someone who hasn't seen anything by Bollywood, mm. but by the way, mm. I you know I do need to because oh, because I am massively ignorant of cinema. Like I say this all the time, you know, I feel like. Sure, I've seen tons of films from tons of countries, but I'm bad on on Bollywood. Um, do you think? So, do you think that? So, so you really like it? But do you think that that's, that's going to be like? That means you're going to like more Bollywood, or do you reckon it's like an outsider? He's like the one you might you think's great, and all the others are worse. I've heard it's one of the better received ones, right? Um, so I don't know how others are going to compare. Um, and then the other question would be: Do you think it is? So it's better received. Um, do you think that means it's better received in the West? So does that mean it's more Westernized? Do, would, do you reckon other Bollywood films are more or less anything Indian, or do you reckon they're they're all going to be similar? I'm not sure because I mean the setting of this one is set in New York, so right. there's that. Uh, but it still has sort of it has sort of uh, themes about um, so you have sort of three generations and the older ones is obviously you know. Uh, have strict sort of Indian um, belief, yeah. all those religious beliefs, and then the, the it's most of the attention is focuses on the younger ger- the younger generation who are sort of young adult young ad- adults, yeah. and and the middle generation is sort of that thing in uh, a gap gauge uh, generation in between that who moved to New York and sort of adopted sort of more Christianity, yeah, and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know the differences in how well received. I'm not sure. Okay. But I there's another point I'd like to say is the music I did I did enjoy as well. Some of the music's really nice. Um, uh, not just the songs, but the, the score as well. Um, yeah. Um, I think it's a good film to watch. Um, but I don't it's have to say I that's the only Bollywood film I've seen. I don't know what the okay. others are like. So it's hard for me to judge or to compare. I, mean, I do really want to watch Bollywood. I really want. I mean, what I want to watch more actually mm-hmm. is a uh, parallel cinema. Which is the Indian movement yeah. from the fifties and sixties? Because yeah. I, re- I really want—I mean, I really want to get onto that train. But you know, I'll, I'll watch them at some point. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about another film that was playing in cinemas recently and might still be playing: uh, mm-hmm. *The Great Wall*. Mm-hmm. So basically, Trump's favorite film, Donald Trump. Yeah, film. yes. It's it's essentially a Chinese film, yeah. but they shoehorned in American actors to money. Sell it. Um, it's 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 dumb. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous, ludicrous piece of cinema I've seen in, um, you know, maybe in the last, in, like, it's, the most, it's the stupidest film I've seen in the cinema. Since Transformers? I never, it, I, but, but, despite all this, right, despite the fact that it is, li- like, like, I don't think you could write a stupider film. Um, it, it, I thought it was damn entertaining. I genuinely thought it was it zipped along, it was fine, it was fun. I didn't think it was a bad movie because I felt like it was knowingly stupid. <laughs> and that's the difference between that and like, you know, and like, like films that are self-service. This one was self-service, this knew it was dumb and it was, and it, and it just was dumb. And I enjoyed it 
all the way through. I think I was I was laughing at it, but like laughing, we were, at, yeah. laughing at how bad like the act some of the action was. I said how bad some of the CGI looked. Yes, it just looked. No, oh, that didn't look right. That just, oh, and and Matt Damon like <laughs> career low performance. And then Willem Dafoe, who I really like, turns up and looks like he like he looks like he doesn't care. He looks like he's died inside, and he's only doing it for the paycheck. I think it just has some like the character arcs or moments are just most cheesiest uh, ones yeah. you could come up with like <laughs> yeah and like i mean yeah and the whole and every single plot point is predictable and false and like the bad guys are just monsters like with no with no real character they just <laughs> stab monsters for two hours um i find he's quite short it's not like an hour and forty. Yeah. like like honestly like I, I would i i i i wouldn't recommend it as a good film but i would say if your standards aren't too high, if you aren't too picky, and you want something dumb to yeah, you like it's probably it's probably the best film per dumb quality yeah. of the last like three months. Like it's definitely just fine. Yeah, I, I do. I do love Matt Damon when he was interviewed about. It. I was like, yeah, it's just like a popcorn monster movie that you could enjoy, and I was like, yeah, you mean yeah. it's shit, basically. <laughs> exactly. So okay, so one other thing that I've been doing recently is so. I've been doing like a David Lynch binge, you know, the director. Yeah. So I, I, I have never been a fan of David Lynch because mm-hmm. I don't like surrealism. I think surrealism is just, ugh, just like, what, why? What is, why be random for the sake of being random? So I've previously seen Dune, which is oh, just a mess. And I've previously seen Mulholland Drive and just was like, don't get why people love this. So I did a binge two weeks ago and I watched Eraserhead, Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart, Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. And I had an epiphany. I was wrong. <laughs> He's a good director. Possibly a great director. So, I, so like, they're all great to varying extents. Mm-hmm. The ones I want to really call out, I, I thought Blue Velvet was just so interesting, so rich. I thought Wild at Heart was incredibly fun. Right? Nick Cage right, plays this dude who has a snakeskin coat, sings Elvis songs... <laughs> and just fucks like this southern chick who who spends the entire film talking about like how horny she is. Like it's, like, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, he hallucinates Wizard of Oz stuff all the way through. And like, and then one of the four turns up at one point, and like, like I don't know what he's doing. Like it, but like fun. Mulholland Drive, which I previously thought was overrated, really hit me this time. Like that was just amazing. Uh, I really have, I really misread that film. I posted in-depth reviews on Letterboxd, so please check them out if you care. But, oh my god, like the, yeah. I, I've changed my mind, I've had an epiphany. Proves that we can be wrong. <laughs> so yeah. there we go. Okay. I'm going to watch this today, so should we move on to the next one? Yeah, go on. Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh yeah, we both watched this independently. Independently, yeah, but, well, I watched this with my uh, girlfriend, so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well. uh, yeah, I just... So, it was a very... Um, I mean, I didn't like it. Uh, it's just, it's I don't know. I just um, what to say about? It. I just I found it was so stupid, cringy. Yeah. Uh, the dialogue was just laughable at at, at yeah, so many yeah. times. Yeah. You know, like you know, things. You know, just lines when you have lines like, um, I don't make love. I fuck. Hard. Oh my god. Yeah, that's bad. That's definitely terrible. Yeah. This is 50 shares of fucked up. 
whatever that may mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, okay. So I mean, like, it, 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 it's about it. Okay. It's not good. But Just, you like the direction of it. Well, here's the thing. I want to like throw in the Great Wall as an example here. This Fifty Shades is that sort of thing, right? It's terrible. But like in terms of what you're getting, you like if you want softcore porn that's mildly romantic, right? And you know you ain't put you ain't fussy, right? Fifty Shades of Grey will do it for you. Like it's fine. <laughs> like like I sat there and I went, you know what? I reckon if I was a bit more into this, it'd be fine, right? I really wasn't into it. I was just pretty much bored. But it wasn't terrible. Like I've seen much worse. I think the problems are like the sort like the problems are like the soft material. The biggest problem is the soft material just sucks. Yeah, agreed. Like it's so badly written, it's so sloppy that clearly they tried to get a good screenwriter in, and then El James just fucked it and demanded on putting all the shit back in. That like it's so like watered down. If you want proper sex, it's not like everything is just like filtered through like cuts. You know, you see like the guy, you see the guy's torso. Never, but you see tons of tits. Like. Mm. I don't really know who that who the audience is, but I mean, I would have uh, thought I'm, they wanted less the tits. Fe- imagine the female. Yeah, right, I'd have thought they wanted less tits. Oh, and there's no dick as well, which once again is like, I mean, surely not like people are there. Um, See some of his pubes, though, I think. <laughs> yeah, for like a two frames or something. Um, the other, and oh yeah, and also it's just really problematic because mm. it's a terrible depiction of BDSM. It also is one of those things that implies that the only reason you could ever be into BDSM is because there's something wrong with you. Like, oh, you mm. had to have, have like a shit childhood. It couldn't just be, you know, you've got a fetish. No, mm. you have to have like a problem. Yeah. That needs fixing by a woman. Like, okay. Like, like, and that's not to say that a woman thinks something is bad, but that's to say, why, you know, why does it have to be like romantic? Why can't they just both be into BDSM? Why can't that be a thing? I don't know. It's just a, it's just a really problematic relationship yeah. concept. Really. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's pretty bad. I, yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I yeah. It, Your review on Letterbox, you know, goes into a lot more. Yeah, I, I have detailed expansion on all of these points. And it's your longest review, is that right? It or? might be. It's, yeah, I, it's up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you had a lot to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing that got me is I read a story which was in an interview. It, that for the audition, Dakota Johnson had to read a line, had to read a scene mm-hmm. from um, one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, Persona, mm-hmm. which is in like my top ten films of all time. And the irony is, Persona is a 1966 film, yeah. right? And this film is in black and white, and is about two women just, like, sat talking. Oh, no, one of them silent. One woman talking to another woman for 90 minutes, right? And this film is more graphic, because it contains an erect penis, right? <laughs> and despite the fact that there's no one having sex, is way more erotic, <laughs> It's a 1966 film about people talking. How is this more erotic than your softcore porno? What is this? Yeah. <sighs> it's so just ugh, mm. mess, 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 mess. Um, Next film. Okay, so yeah, this is just something. Uh, this is quick. I watched uh, the Double Life of Veronique. So it's a French Polish film from 1990. It's mm. by uh, Kislowski, who made mm. the Feet Color trilogy. Mm-hmm. So red and white. Um, I like this a lot. I think it's like matches his three colors trilogy. I don't know. If I'm, I'm like I don't know if I prefer it to the three colors trilogy or not, but it's up there. The basic premise: girl called Veronica, uh, Veronica lives in Poland. Mm-hmm. Girl called girl called Veronique lives in mm-hmm. France. They have this. They are the same person, but they don't know about each other's existence. Right. Okay. And they just I like 
Yeah, right, and they just do stuff. They have, have like, really, they, you know, they just like, and they don't meet. Well, they kind of at one point they sort of see each other. That's it. They don't mm-hmm. like meet, and that's basically it. It's an interesting film. It's very artsy. It has. It's very dense. Mm-hmm. It's one of those films that's imagery after imagery after imagery. Not really sure what it all means, mm-hmm. but it was interesting. Mm-hmm. So going on to another film that we both watched, rather than just me again, <laughs> Birdman. Birdman. So we watched this a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's it's a fr- it was a frustrating watch because I think like midway through the film because I mean if you didn't know it's the film that won Best Picture in 2014 was it or something? Uh, yes, 2014 was Best Picture and looks like it's all been done in one shot. Yeah, that's the sort of big big sort of uh, gimmick. Yeah, I, yeah, uh, and features Michael Keaton playing a struggling actor or an actor tri- who was a previously a movie star and trying to get his career back, uh, come back. And I think halfway through the uh, film, I think we, we both had a moment say, well, I sort of said, um, you know, about the long takes, like, yeah. why? You know, yeah. why, why are we having this long take? Like, it doesn't add anything. It's distracting. I mean, I feel, I mean, the thing is, I got used to it towards the end, sort of midway through. Yeah. But I was just thinking... Why? I mean, I don't feel it's a good long tech. Like, it's not. I mean, sometimes not. Some of it nice when it's like going through different rooms in a, in a building. It looks nice, uh, but it's just not what a good long take to me. Like, I, I compare it to some of the long takes that Paul Thomas Anderson does. Yeah. And there's like those just feel nice. They you know, and they're there and they're used appropriately. And this just isn't. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like the the thing that Birdman struck me what with was. Not only is the long take clearly well, with the long take specifically, I was thinking the thing I go with is that like it's clearly sixteen long takes edited to look like one. Yeah. And the thing I go with is I start going, I've been watching a fair few amount of movies by a director called uh, Bella Tarr recently. Mm-hmm. And Bella Tarr's whole thing is his movies are nothing but long takes. Mm-hmm. And how and he would do like a ten minute long take, mm-hmm. cut ten minute long take, mm-hmm. and that and that doesn't feel any worse. Or in fact, it probably feels better because it doesn't feel gimmicky. It doesn't feel mm. like you're trying to force a way for the camera to mm. turn and suddenly times change. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It cuts and the times like why not just do that? Like Tars films work great. You doing that? Why can't you do that? Especially, yeah. I don't know what it brings to it. There's no thematic or emotional reason to be one take. It adds nothing other than be more pretentious. Yeah, uh, I think if it, like. I think there's so many scenes that are kind of... I don't really know where they all go. It mm. doesn't really add up to much. I think it's mm. uh, in Yamatu's worst film. Yeah, there's a few issues with the, with the script. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean in, terms of, in terms of performances, Michael Keaton and Edward Norton I both really like, and I both really like the characters as well. Yeah. Apart from Edward Norton's subplot with Emma Stone, which I don't really get. That, one, yeah, that was poor. Emma Stone's great as well. Yeah, oh yeah, good point. I had to be... For, um, like two people that go overlooked, I think Zach Galifianakis is really yeah. on form. In I almost didn't recognise him. Yeah, right might be yeah. his death performance. Mm. And Naomi Watts is really good in it. But the thing that so I watched Birdman, Naomi Watts is an uh, actress, right? Mm. And then I watched Mulholland Drive like two weeks later, which is Naomi Watts is an actress. I just went, oh my god, she's so much better in Mulholland Drive. <laughs> and I loved her in Birdman. I thought she was one of the best things in Birdman. So mm. I don't know, like it's fine. Didn't deserve to win. But yeah. just to clarify, I don't think Boyhood did either. So I think that year, both of the favourites were null. <laughs> I still really like Boyhood, but anyway, let's move on. Um, yeah. Uh, so you, so last, in fact, not last podcast, in the 
pilot podcast or this podcast, or whatever we want to call it, I mentioned that I was watching. Uh, I was on a Werner Werner Fassbinder binge, the mm-hmm. infamous German director. I finished off my DVD box then. So I watched my final two, which is The Merchant of Four Seasons, which is about a fruit seller who's, who slowly loses his dignity mm-hmm. and he's faced with multiple problems in his life. And uh, there's a bit of the Petter von Kant, which is a very personal movie for Werner Werner Fassbinder, who was famously a gay director who suffered with multiple problems, um, to say the least. Bitter Depressor von Kant was a story about a woman who starts a relationship with a younger woman, and they, and like, they all falls apart, and it's like the aftermath of that. Um, they're both really good films. They're my favourite Fassbinder films I've seen thus far. If you really want transgressive interest in German cinema, like you can't beat it. It's like top class of like that era. It's you know like the sort of German new wave. It's it's probably the peak of that. I oh, know Aguirre Bath and Cotter for the peak, but mm-hmm. it's up there. Um, okay, that's just a shout. And then last film Ex Machina. Yeah, last film Ex Machina. Um, I really like Ex Machina. So it's a very uh, small scale sci-fi film which yep. stars uh, Donald Gleeson, Alicia Vikander, and Oscar. Oscar Isaac, yeah. Oh, yeah, Oscar Isaac. Uh, and there's some other actress who I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's basically the cast. Um, I thought it was a really well written written film, very nice, very nice small sci-fi. Um, Lisa Kahn was amazing. Um, yeah, she was the best. It was, I love the sort of how the pace of it increases so much uh, as yeah. the film goes on. It's sort of this reveal after real, I think uh, Nerdwriter did a really interesting um Video essay on it of how the sort of the reveal, the sort of where they are in the script and how they um, become more frequent yeah. as the film goes on. Um, yeah, um, I think it's great performance and yeah, I, I, I was the times where I felt very at un, very sort of uneasy. Well, there's a very an air of mistrust amongst sort of the characters as well, which I really liked. Yeah, I mean, I thought I reckon it was good. I thought it was a pretty good movie. I think mm-hmm. maybe probably even a great movie. Uh, I definitely think the twists were really good and the characters were really good. Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple of thing, couple of things. I I do wonder um, how, I, like, the thing that really struck me about it was that it had this whole like, uh, like, twisted sci-fi edge to it, mm-hmm. and I, like, and as much as it is twisted, I never really fully understood where, where it all was going. And I get that's kind of the point, but I don't. I I feel like. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of sometimes, I feel like it doesn't quite explain everything sufficiently. Um, but, you know, once again, I can let that slide. I think it's definitely, I don't think Donald Gleeson's that interesting a character. I think Oscar Isaac is radically weird. Uh, but um, I, the thing that really struck me by it, I was sat there going, oh, this is just like a Beach and a Black Mirror episode. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I love Black Mirror, so I was like, oh, I'm, I'm in for this. Um, I I, I, did, I I didn't think it was. I actually thought it wasn't as twisted as I hoped it would be. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I really like my films. But if you're gonna go twisted, you go full twisted. And I was a little bit oh, it's not quite as just fucked up as it could have been. But it was pretty good. I liked yeah. it. But I liked sort of how some bits of the, I say violence is well some of the yeah yeah was sort of done very sort of it's like it's, it's all felt very clean. Like the whole setting yeah. felt very clean and sort of very. 
futuristic, you know, sort of futuristic and I like that aesthetic. And then when it gets to the bits when, well, blood starts coming in, it's sort of all more yeah. you know, nice thing. Like it's that. definitely very clinical. Mm. Okay, so I think that's that was a very long recap of films. I can Over guarantee. I can guarantee next time we will it'll leave you in a week, so we won't have to do three weeks worth of movies. No. <laughs> um, and by the way, we missed out like seven. <laughs> so uh, mostly too bad they're on mine. Yeah. Um, but um, should we uh, talk about Logan? Yeah, let's do a. So first thing I was for is, uh, do you want to raise any spoiler or plot sensitive issues or points of? Yes. Film? So uh, problem one. Like I think I think if there's one problem, it's not necessarily the film the problem that most kills the film, but in terms of just hundred in terms of percentage bad, mm-hmm. I think the the worst thing is um, generally the bad guys, but specifically X twenty four. Yeah, X twenty four is utterly terrible. Yeah, he turns up he's a Wolverine clone, right? What does he bring to the story? I feel, I think the issue is. I feel they tried to give Wolverine someone to fight with, but I don't want to see Wolverine close. And it just, it detract his existence sort of detracts the point, purpose of the first bad guy, the Donald Pierce character. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, who do you want Wolverine's big yeah. rival to be? You yeah. Know? I mean, I feel like he fails thematically because like they're going, oh, he has to fight himself. He mm. has to deal with himself. No, he, we've got X-23 who's a Wolverine clone. We don't need another, you know, like, I feel like having a second Wolverine person doesn't help matters. He already has a person who is him to look to and, you know. Um, the other thing is, you know, to, as an action sense, I don't get why he couldn't just be fighting a dude with the metal arm. You yeah. know, like, I don't get why, why he needed to be a, a clone. It's, no, considering he's introduced at the start of the film, you'd yeah. expect him to be the big rival, but towards the end of the film, he's pretty much degraded, he's yeah. reduced his He's barely purpose. in it, and his action, his action isn't any better than, like, mm. any of the other stuff. So, I, I don't know, like, to me, he was, he's, he's, in terms of percentage, just terrible, he is, like, 80% terrible, so he's the worst thing. Well, you'll be happy to know he's written out of my rewrite. Good. Uh, the, my other two big, well, uh, problem, the second part will be the plot's just... Well, I have a general problem with just the whole script. Um, I think one is exposition heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the whole set. Well, not there's a bit where like the bit where he has the phone and someone just goes, "Here's what the bad guys are doing." I somehow have filmed every single aspect <laughs> of the bad guys and started going, "Great exposition!" No, no, like fil- you know, no, like feeding it throughout the movie. Just mm. one big five minute dump of everything. There's also the fact that the phone loses charge like yeah. halfway through, just for dramatic effects. Like, <laughs> we can't know all the exposition. Yeah. We have to go for another action yeah. or you know another bit of the yeah. film just to start. <laughs> My problem was that there's clearly two. The action was kind of forced in because what was really, what would really, what happened was it'd be a case of they'd go to a setting, they mm. do they'd have like the nice drama bits in the setting, and then have an action scene. So it's like. Mm. They have a place on the Mexico border. They do stuff, action scene. Go to a hotel, do stuff, action scene. They go to a farm, do stuff, action scene. They get to Eden, do stuff, action scene. Yeah. Well, look. It was a very repetitive yeah. structure. Why can't they have a location where they spend a good amount of time and they don't end up with an action scene? Yeah. Like, I, like, I, I didn't see why that always has to be action. Mm. And my final problem, I guess, is I thought I liked... R-rated action. I think if you're going to make an action movie, you should go balls to the wall, R-rated, bloody, you know, like, bones cracking, you know, bleeding. That's how I want it. I want you to, I want you to be the raid. I want you to be the raid too. I want you to be diehard. I want you to be really, really nasty. But you can do all that, but you have to be aware that you're doing all that. Mm-hmm. And you can't, and you have to do, and you have to, and you can't do all that 
and then have bits where characters go, I don't like killing people. Because that doesn't work. Because mm-hmm. then I just go, hmm, it's pretty weird that your film is enjoying showing those people die. Because yes. there's so much of it. By the time the scene's coming on where they talk about it, I'm desensitized. I'm like, mm-hmm. I really don't, like, I, I'm enjoying you stab people. I don't need to now tell me that's bad. Because mm-hmm. it's clear the filmmakers enjoy stabbing people. Well, not, sorry. They enjoy showing Wolverine stabbing people. Yeah. Like, that clip, like, if, if you're going to do that, you have to restrain it. You have to show not much violence. When it is violent, it's nasty. Mm-hmm. And then I'll believe you that these people don't want to kill, but they have to. Mm. When they just kill people all the time, it loses it for me. Mm-hmm. So that's my problems. How have you changed it? So, first scene has changed. Um, I want the first scene to start in the X-23 lab. Okay. Mm. Right. So you can, you can share a little bit of the experiments or what's going on. You can introduce Xander, who's the, the doctor guy. And yep. You can introduce, and I'll still keep uh, Donald Pierce. So there'll be two, two, the only two primary like character villains. Xander's obviously just uh, controls everything. Mine and uh, Donald Pierce is the muscle the and will be is set up to be Wolverine's comp, you know, rival in in action. Yeah. Um, and so the first scene is the mutant children escaping. Okay. So that's what, which I feel is a quite better way of getting around the whole exposition delivery. Just to show yeah. it. I, I think showing it is better than exposition delivery. I agree. Hmm. My thing would be, I mean, I mean, um, the two arguments, of course, would be that one, the Wolverine has to know all this happened. I, 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 I feel like she has to tell him and not just tell him in one dump, it needs to be drip fed. But, um, also, and also reduced in exposition. Mm-hmm. But what I was going to say was, uh, I actually quite like how it opens with Logan. I don't know whether or not it's beneficial to just not start with Logan. I don't know, because I, I didn't like the first scene of the opening. Well... I liked everything after yeah. the whole um, section, per yeah. se. But the sort of first scene where it's just a generic action scene of him being up with a few other guys in the dark, you know, showing, you know, giving us a few glimpses of the violent action, that to me wasn't, didn't, um, yeah. I wasn't that excited by that. No, that doesn't. First, I mean, I, the action I could do without, but I did think opening with him just clearly being a decrepit. Yeah, yeah that oh. is included. Sorry. Okay, sorry, so, go on then. Shall we go? So. Uh, yeah, so they so sort of so that's first sort of action scene. They're escaping. Yeah. Uh, of all the other mutant children, uh, one during the action, the effective action, um, one of her mutant child friends sort of helps her getting out of a sticky situation. But in the process, X twenty three accidentally hurts that mutant twenty three, and this is the uh, and that uh, so so that friend is left injured, and that's right. one of the main things is because I feel the problem with X twenty three and Wolverine is they're both indestructible. Yeah. Uh, so. And our whole, whole thing about X-23 is that she's reckless and dangerous yeah. and uh, can cause harm to other people around her, including friends and allies, because she's all, she's just rage and doesn't know, just can't control her powers. That's a good thing. I think. Yeah, they never really deal because with Because that's that. why I feel they should have gone, and that's, yeah. she gives us something to learn. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I can see that. Um, and in the, at the end of the result was she gets somehow, I haven't figured out the specifically why, but she gets separated from the rest of the group. Yeah, okay. But there was sort of, before I'm going to sort of general the idea that the group, want, uh, the, all the mutants had a meeting spot, which is in the uh, Eden. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, um, I'm going to try and be quick. <laughs> um, so, uh, so she's now on her own, yeah. wandering on her own. So you can almost do a, a lie in this way, but we won't go into that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could do that. Sort of. Then you can have the Logan Xavier section, which is pretty much the same as as it was done in the film, but you could so take, like the old limo stuff as well, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you could take out things like oh that nurse and yeah. um, how he first meets with um, 
uh, Donald Pierce. I think that was a bit just okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was sort of plot was a bit didn't really need to be there really. Yep. It was just sort of plot, you know, bogged down by plot. Uh, so have that thing. Um, it's carrying. The one little adjustment I would like to make is Xavier having a bit more, a little bit more dementia, and sort of asking things. Oh, where's Jean? Where's Cyclops? Where's my children? Like more references. Yeah, a little bit more reference. Well, not necessarily reference, but it's just more. He doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't quite understand how all the mutants have gone, but um, he's wondering where where they are, and still thinks they're alive, but they're all dead. I mean, I feel like one strength of Logan is, is the detachment. Mm. I don't like it because it's clearly not mm. so connected to the X Men universe. Yeah. I don't know whether or not having more direct references is beneficial. But I think it was just a natural question. If you're suffering from dementia, you doesn't know like someone that you uh, you care about. Oh yeah, I mean, time. it's just something that will ask and makes Logan because Logan knows what happened. Yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, I mean, I... and Xavier doesn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so Logan says, "Oh, yeah, they're gone." And then in the midst of that, Xavier sort of te- telepathically detects what X twenty three. Right. And in the moment when X twenty three sort of lost, we're going to both go and Charles, you know, being I mean, can he can he do that? Doesn't need cerebro. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's yeah, color anyway. Yeah, yeah, but that's why I thought, yeah. So and he sort of because I always like how Xavier's all about looking after children, looking after yeah, yeah. and trying to find a home place. So, uh, take tells her to come to where they are. Yeah. So that's how they all meet. Uh, when they all meet, basically, um, all those three characters sort of uh, X twenty three wants to go to the Eden place, and really yeah. doesn't because he wants to not you know take yeah. a risk, be exposed. But Xavier feels he wants to because Xavier's excited about the idea of other mutants, yeah, and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, he killed them too. Yeah, <laughs> and. Um, so they're in that same place, and then the bad guys do find them. I think of uh, this is a slight annoying plot means, but I think the extra three, all the mutant children have a would they the bad guys place when they were bringing them like a tracker, like just to find them. Okay, that's just just to help you know find them, just something yeah. like that, which would make sense considering they're breeding their weapons and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so find them and uh, love by Donna Pierce, um, the you know cybernetic guy. Uh, that's what they have to. Well, you've really gone into detail here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this might take a bit of time. No, go, on, go. On. Uh, fighting, and uh, and I can't read my. And so, in the fight scene, uh, where you get to see sort of, uh, obviously, this is possibly the first time we see Wolverine play my fight earlier section. But there'll be a moment when Pierce does a significant wound on Wolverine. Right. And 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 then in the, in the middle of their escape, um, that. The Wolverine, um, while tending to his wounds, this and sees that this wound isn't healing. Like, it's, it's yeah, not, that I mean, that means it wasn't quite shown as well as it could have been, potentially. Just, I mean, it does heal, it just takes much longer. Yeah, I know, but I feel like you there could be a little bit more visual show, like just have a significant wound that it has a bit of focus on in the act, in the middle of the action, and then look, and then you look a bit later. Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean. Just early, just early thing. Like I, 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 you know, like all of these seem perfectly good to me. I actually think generally the first, like this whole section in the beginning was perfectly fine to me. I didn't think it needed radical rewrites. I mean, this isn't too radical, but like, I'm generally like keeping most most of the Xavier and Logan stuff. Yeah, I, I guess I, I'm yeah. sort of skipping through bits that I, I agree with. Yeah, and like yeah, you still okay. have that, but slight adjustments. Yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah, Caliban is in my, in my script because oh, okay, I don't. Well, I just don't. I, I like him in the film, but I don't really want. I'd sort of like think, to. Oh, it's superfluous. He's still a little bit superfluous. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, I just I, I think he's 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 a good. Good, he's a good presence. I don't deny that. Yeah, but personally, I don't really want right, to. Okay, I want to you know limit it to uh, less characters. Um, yeah, and and then so in, so after the escape, Pierce uh, reports back to Xander and and says, uh, "Oh, Xavier's also with them," and that court catches Xander's attention. I'm sorry. Every time he says Xander, I just think I'm fucking. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> And then, yeah, so cuts that. So audience is thinking, oh, why is he so interested in Xavier? Yeah. Okay. okay. So, um, uh, stop. Uh, and then you can sort of go to sort, of, sort of follows sort of similar along the lines where they go to that hotel place. Yeah, yeah. Do all that um, stuff, yeah. Yeah, and I think, yeah, it tends, generally follows on uh, as in Wolverine's apart from them and then the soldier's guy finds uh, Prof- Professor X and yeah. um, X-23. And... Uh, in that moment, the soldiers sort of managed to restrain X-23 in my thing, and Xana, the doctor, is actually there yeah. and talks to Professor X. And it's revealed that um, Xander's child or son was one of the um, Professor X's students, was a mutant, one of Professor X's students. And, okay. And, and in um, the whole... Things that when of mutants, obviously, which the same thing in the film that Professor X killed, you know, inadvertently killed them all. Yeah, and was killed his child. Just to add that, and so in that uh, incident, uh, Xander's son was killed. Right. Okay. So it just adds an extra layer of connection or reason why. Um, yeah, yeah. Initiative. And Xavier's sort of confused of because he's not aware that he killed, you know, yeah, he yeah. killed them, and because Wolverine's basically protecting that information mm. away from him. Yeah, it's good. And then Xavier has the seizure, which, and then you have pretty much a say, similar. Right, okay. Uh, but the only slight exception is that within the struggle, uh, A23 accidentally wounds Xavier. Okay. Can I just also call this out? There's bits in that section yeah. where, like, Wolverine, like, clearly doesn't have to kill the people, mm-hmm. and he does. Because mm-hmm. like, they're all, like, stuck. Like, yeah. He just, he just, like, take their guns yeah. and, like, stab, and st- yeah. stab them in the legs or they trip over. But yeah. no, he just, like, murders them. And then yeah. he mourns everyone about killing people. I'm like, yeah. bitch, please! You would, you just murdered yeah. you who couldn't have to. Yeah. But, move, you know. Move on. So, change so, that as well. Uh, in the struggle, they escape, manage to escape. Right. Uh, Xavier bleeding, obviously. Um, and he's questioning during the car, like like questioning Wolverine, what 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 did I do? You know, all that kind of stuff. And Wolverine's trying to deny it, all that stuff. And you know, they're trying immediately first thing to go to a hospital, obviously right. because it's bleeding. But then uh, his the other guys, the bad guys, have already got men there, so it yeah. just has a little bit of extra tension. And they have to keep go, you know, keep going and decide. You know, best thing is just head towards Eden. And uh, on the road, so continue on the road. Wolverine sort of argues with X twenty three for being reckless and just yeah. you know all that kind of stuff. Um, and in that part, Xavier's just try, still trying to calm, calm those two down. Mm. And then, um, so then you have the house farm scene comes in a similar way. Uh, this is a little cheat as well. They're saying like because you know, sort of farm, sort of off the grid type of yeah. area, The radar doesn't, or the uh, detector tracker doesn't quite. Right. Work. Okay. That's just a little cheat, but I, that could be slightly um, weird uh, because I just wanted the house to be more of a safe haven. Yeah, I agree. That's it should have been. It yeah. should have been there for an action. Yeah. It should have been there for yeah. a, a nice safe haven. For a drama scene. Have, yeah. yeah. So that's why I thought to have. And um, and as sort of Logan puts Xavier to, to rest, X twenty three sort of pesters Logan that what happened, you know, because yeah. she's been reading more comments and wants to know also what happens to all the mutants. Yeah, yeah. And that's when you know Logan's restrained, but you know, sort of yeah. you know, t- tells her um, we can have that visually shown and. 
then it moved on to sort of Logan sort of feels, feels he should teach X three three to sort of control the powers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that sort of that that and. Uh, I'm not quite sure how this. So I think, and then the next sort of stage is X Men Three sort of finally convinced Logan to tell Charles what happened. Right. Okay. And so he tells Charles, and sort of Charles has uh, this sort of sad scene. You know, I, I try to protect mutants, and he feels sort of the guilt and yeah, you know, frustration of what his presence has caused and what it could cause and how much harm. And okay. And this is a bit of a controversial thing. Us to be euthanized. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. You could, uh, yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> right. Because I always like feel like Logan's just trying to keep Charles alive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can put that if you want. And then they go to court. And <laughs> no, then... <laughs> no, no. Not that. Not that. It's just, just, just Charles just feels like, you know, I'm old. I want to. Yeah. I'm suffering. I'm, I'm becoming more of a burden. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And, okay. And Logan finds it's difficult because he's been feeling, you know, once. So um, that's a little bit I'm unsure, like whether to go that far or not. No. All right, fine. You don't like it. <laughs> no, I mean it's fine. I feel like you're putting words on evidence of Professor X. I would definitely cut the. Like, I would. I would. I mean, I would increase Professor X's presence maybe, but I wouldn't put so much emphasis on Professor X. I want this. I, I mean, I, you don't have that to have that happen. But yeah. in any way, I sort of, I made it sort of change it so that only Logan X twenty three leave the house and decide to go and continue to Eden. Well, that's what happens. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, you could again add the sort of thing in the comic books, which I am sort of not sure where to put. Like Logan's feeling, making talk to Professor as like saying, "I feel this could be a fictional place, and I don't want to upset yeah. it, you know, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff." So you can add that, okay, that yeah. element can be added. Um, um, there's this other random thing that you could add if you wanted a little bit more action. Is that as once they've left the house, then they're uh, ambushed, just as a, you know, yeah. they've been trying. To, when when she goes back onto the radar, basically. And you could have this. This is this is a little bit. Um, and in this sort of action scene, sort of on, they're all still driving. X twenty three sort of forced to drive, and Logan has to fight. And X twenty three sort of doesn't drive very well, causes you know more problems, yeah, and tension. And then so, and after once they go escape, then you know obviously Logan's tired, and Logan's you know sort of <laughs> this is really she's sort of. Teaches her to drive. I kind of wanted to teach her to drive. So I wanted a few more father and daughter things. Yeah, so. like they never really went to yeah. the full potential. That that's, what, that's why I was trying to add a few. How, however, I don't feel the need for another action scene. Huh? I don't feel the need for another action yeah, scene. Yeah, no. I, I mean, mean, you don't, don't, I don't necessarily need that I mean, you're one. taking the one at the house out. But yeah. I feel like adding one into a place that is not yeah. something I wouldn't want either. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of, that thought I just, uh, that doesn't really yeah, need yeah. to be there. It's just an, adds a little extra mini art. Okay. But, uh, but they get to Eden. And they find that all the mutant children have been died. Have died. Have been died. Sorry, have been <laughs> yeah, killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have been fine. killed. You know, they've sort of got there. Right. The, and that's when X twenty three breaks down and collapses, and that's upset and crying. And that's Wolverine's chance to um, comfort her. And that's when the father gives her a hug. Give her a hug. Well, no, that's the sort of the, that'd yeah. be the least Wolverine thing. Yeah. But no, you have to show that. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's the thing you want to show because that's why I feel it was lacking for the father and daughter because they could put yeah. it too late when he was dying. Yeah. And they should have had it before he was dying. Yeah, and then he like, goes off to the to like the, <laughs> to like the government like can I get yeah. an adoption form? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll be very quick. Then I'm not quite sure quickly, but the final finale happens there. Yeah, um, bad guys catch up and um, fight, 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 fight. Yeah. Um, 
there's one bit there's obviously main rival conflict between Logan and um, Pierce Donald Pierce yep I guess Logan dies uh, not quite not yet oh, um, okay. so um, what happens is sort of in midway through like, X-23 sort of gets really attacked and then just that just sets Wolverine on a massive rampage a sort of fatherly protectiveness goes in and that's when he's sort of uh, uh, that's when you sure that see Wolverine at pure high level violence yeah um, and in the struggle sort of it, it, then it's all left uh, Donald gets killed by it but by, by them two together and then it's just left with uh, Xander and sort of all Wolverine wants is you know just make it free just get rid of the tracking thing yeah. and um, and then move on but Wolverine's still critically injured right. like from from the ramp from the rampage and then sort of externally try, try and drive some back to that house type of yeah. thing midway through the drive uh, Wolverine's sort of uh, about to die basically final words you know yeah sort of thing. Um, but she still she still continues to the house and the family takes care of her. Because I wanted her, like, I wanted the ending of her being with the family. Yeah. And um, not with a group of mutants, because I think it's better that she finds a home, because I thought that's what Xavier wanted. Yeah. To have a home, to have a true family. So that's basically how I rewrite. Mm, okay. Uh, to me, that's, I mean, I thought you would, like, change a little bit. That's a very radical and expensive yeah. rewrite of, <laughs> like, your dream Logan movie. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I mean, generally... I guess, I don't know. I feel like you've generally improved it. I wouldn't say you've made, you've sorted out all my problems. Yeah. Um, mm. I definitely don't think the Professor X thing needed to be emphasised that much. Even began, even ignoring the euthanasia, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like yeah. left to that. I, do, I feel like, um, generally speaking, my problem, I also feel like the end, the second half needed to think about a changes at most, the second half is the worst part of the actual mm-hmm. movie, so yeah. I feel like that needs the most changes. Um, I mean, I generally kept with the general plot line. Yeah, yeah. But I just... Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, those sort of things I can see. Like, I feel like definitely, like, in terms of plot, you've improved. You got rid of that stuff at X-24. Mm. I feel like you... I feel like the thematics are still there. The family stuff and the mm. raising X-23 stuff doesn't come across as well as it could do. Yeah. So I definitely see putting more of that in as an improvement in general. Mm. But yeah, like, if I, if I was if I was just basically editing Logan, I would take out the actor scene at the farm would right. be my big step. We move X24. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much keep the first half the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically just make the vi- make the violence less bloody in general, but mm-hmm. make it bloody like, I don't know, one in every five stab bloody, mm-hmm. as opposed to every stab. So that way, it's impactful, mm-hmm. but it's not constant. It doesn't desensitize. It doesn't feel yeah. like the, like James Mangold reveling in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, do blood. No, no. You, you show blood, but you're not always showing it. It's sometimes nasty, but it isn't always nasty. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, yeah. I didn't like the way Professor X died in the film. It, it didn't look... Um, one, I was confused if it was a dream sequence. Two, it was also yeah. done at the same time where he sort of recollects that memory yeah. uh, thing, which I feel like the two things kind of clashed and you know didn't follow. Yeah. Like, I was almost confused, like, what was that true or was that... Um, yeah, there were just two very different ideas sort of meshed too close together. Yeah. So that's my issue with it. Yeah, I think... I and think... I just generally wanted the thing that Wolverine cared for him and wants to keep him alive. Yeah. And feels like Professor X is doing more harm than good. Yeah. And gets the uh, old age and stuff like that. Well, this has been a very, very long... Not, not Well, not long. This has been a very packed podcast. Oh, yeah. And I feel we should try and... Sign <laughs> off. <laughs> try and sign off and also not... 
not load ourselves up too heavy next time. <laughs> not try and keep yeah. it a bit more contained. Yeah. Okay, so in this sprawling mess of a podcast, which I imagine barely anyone's listening to, but well yeah. done if you have got this far and you care. Uh, thank you. For listening. Uh, for listening. And um, I we'll be here next week. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yay, I look forward to it. So, okay, bye. Bye. I guess.